to us. Amen. I'm glad to be here with you. See each and every one of your smiling faces. Amen. It's good to have the, the Clayvilles and the Reynolds back with us. So it's just nice to be gathered together once again. Amen. So we're going to just enter right in and give God glory. Amen. Why don't you sing the song with me? I stand in all of you. You're beautiful beyond description to marvelous for and to wonderful for comprehension like nothing ever seen or heard who can grasp Fathom the depths of your love. You are beautiful beyond description. Oh, majesty enthroned above. And I stand, I stand in all of you. I stand, I stand in all of you, holy God to you, all praises to oh I stand in all of you, from the top now, you are beautiful beyond description. Marvelous forward to wonderful for comprehension like nothing ever seen or heard, and who can grasp your infinite wisdom? Fathom the 
depths of your love, and you are beautiful beyond description, oh majesty, enthroned above, sing it now, oh I stand, I stand in all of I stand, I stand, Lord, holy God, to you all praise is due. Oh, I stand in all of you, and I stand, I stand in all of you. I stand in all of you, holy God, to you, all praises to you, oh, I stand in all of you, amen. Let's sing this song together, Lord, I give you my heart. Oh, Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, and I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your My desire to honor you, oh Lord, with all my heart, I worship you, and all I have. Have you? 
Touch my heart like you do. Oh, I could search for all eternity, Lord, and find there is none like you. Oh, there is none like you. Touch my heart like you do. Oh, I could search for all eternity, Lord, and find there is none like you. One more time now. Oh, there is none like you, my Jesus. Oh, no one else can touch my heart like you do. And I can search for all eternity, Lord, and find there is none like you. Amen. Let's sing one more before we change the service. In Christ alone, a place we trust. In Christ alone will I glory, though I could pride myself in battles won. For I've been blessed beyond measure, and by His strength alone I overcome. Oh, I could stop and Successes like diamonds in my hands, but those trophies could not equal to the grace by which I stand in Christ alone. I place my trust and find my glory in power of the cross in every victory let it be said of me my source of strength my source of hope is Christ the Lord in Christ alone do I glory by His grace I am redeemed, for only His tender mercy could reach beyond my weakness to my need. And now I seek no greater honor than just to know Him more. To count my gains, the losses to the glory. 
Christ alone I place my trust And find my glory in the power of the cross In every victory Let it be said over me My source of strength my source of hope is Christ the Lord. Sing it again. We're going to bring it up now. In Christ alone. There we go. I place my trust and find my glory in the power of the cross. In every victory, let it be said. My source of strength, my source of hope is Christ alone. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Such a sweet presence. Amen. You sound so wonderful when you worship like that. Amen. We're going to change the order of our service and just take our special needs before the Lord. Amen. I see a lot of folks that are not with us today. And we, we definitely miss you when you're not here. If you're streaming uh, and having to be apart from us. Amen. Our heart goes out to you. And we're praying for you. Amen. And wish you could be with us. Amen. Uh, I have one special need in front of me at this time. It's all that I have at the moment. Uh, we, don't, uh, we just have a prayer request for my Aunt Sherry. To please be uh, remember remembering her. She's having trouble with her hand. Amen. If you could remember her in prayer. Amen. <clears throat> um, I definitely have a, a deep burden on my heart. If you could please be remembering myself in prayer and my family. I have a very important decision to make. Uh, so I do covet your prayers. Amen. That I would be in the will of God when I make this decision. Amen. So if you would please be praying for me, I would appreciate it. Amen. Do you have unspoken prayer requests by uplifted hands? Amen. I'm going to ask Brother David Stevens if you would come forward and take these needs before the Lord for us. Amen. Musicians can play something softly there. Let us pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for such an opportunity to come in your house, middle of the week, dear Lord, and just lift up our empty cups. Just ask you to fill it up, dear Lord. We just ask you to be mindful of these prayer requests that were mentioned, dear Lord. Uh, Brother Jaren's Aunt Sherry, dear Lord, just touch her hand, touch her body. Let her know that you're near, dear Lord. We just ask you to be with the other believers, dear Lord, all over the world as we come together at this day. We just ask you bless them and... Uh, we just ask you to come among us, dear Lord. Give us our bread that we ask for, dear Lord. Just feed us. We come humbly as sheep. The thing about sheep, dear Lord, is they don't do anything but stand there. They, they bear your fruit, dear Lord. We just ask you to feed us. We give this time and this day and the rest of the evening to your hand. We just ask to anoint the lips of Brother Barry as he brings the word. Anoint our ears to hear what we have need of. Just give you all the praise and glory and honor for it. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can have your seats for a short period of time. Sister Lily, 
Uh, Harbaugh has a special force as she'd be making her way forward. And as she's coming, we're going to sing this song together. I just want to be where you are. Amen. I just want to be where you are. Dwelling daily in your presence. And I don't want to worship from afar. Draw me near to where you are. And I just want to be where you are. dwelling place forever at the place where you are I just want to be with you I want to be where you are dwelling in your presence at your table surrounded by your glory oh in your presence that's where I always want to be I just want to be I just want to be Sister Lily, God bless you. tried in vain for twelve long years of pain is proof that there is nothing they can do but I heard somebody say there's a healer on the way somehow I have to press my way through Bring it. 
trouble or trial you're facing, I guarantee you, you place it in Jesus' hands. There's nothing He can't handle. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's stand at this time. We're going to invite the pastor to come on forward. Amen. I'd like to sing this song, We Exalt the Key of C.
are worthy now. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity we have to come again into your house, to come, Lord, to your place, to come, Lord, into your sanctuary and to be able to sing your praises. Father, it's just a nice thing to be in a peaceful, calm atmosphere in the middle of the hectic world we live in. Now, Lord, as we've stepped aside made a step towards you. I pray you'd make a step towards us tonight. Come, Lord, and speak peace to every heart. I pray, dear Father, that each one of us would give you permission to speak to us. Lord, we would open our hearts and our minds to you. 
We give you the microphone tonight. And we give you our willing ear. Lord, come, I pray, and move among us. and Be the healer for those who need it. Be the oil on troubled waters for those who are disturbed. Lord, we ask that you would just take complete control of this little study tonight, this atmosphere. And Lord, for each one that's listening and those, Lord, that are archiving maybe a little bit later, we ask and pray that you would just speak, Lord, your word and speak peace to each one. We just want to say tonight we love you and we ask forgiveness of anything that would grieve you. Anything, Lord, that would cause some shadow or in some way hinder the moving of the Holy Spirit. We just love you and we thank you, Father, for all you are to us. Have your way now, we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. You can pray all night. Just such a nice atmosphere to come into. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 9. Just a couple of verses here. First Corinthians 15, starting at verse 9. For I am the least of the apostles, that am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so ye believed. May the Lord add his blessing. You may be seated. I'd just like to say that I would uh, like to welcome all of you back here tonight. We have some that have been away and traveling, and may the Lord bless you. Good to have you with us uh, tonight, and uh, welcome back to all of you. Good to have all the folks that were not feeling well as well, and uh, here, and good to see you all here smiling and, and uh, taking part tonight. We appreciate each and every one of you and always pray for those that are not feeling well and uh, good to have you here tonight. We want to remember uh, Sister Caroline Jackson who uh, went to the hospital today to be checked out. She had some intestinal issues and we're just continuing to pray for her. And if you don't mind, just write her down on your prayer list and we'll uh, just trust that the Lord will undertake for her. She's at home tonight. We also want to remember Brother Andrew Boy Scout, and I, I, I keep reminding you of this because they, uh, Brother Andrew stays in contact with me pretty closely, but uh, uh, he said every family in his church uh, was affected with the virus, every single one of them. They haven't had church for now for almost three weeks, and uh, it's been very difficult in a closed environment like the village, and uh, he said it was spread pretty rapidly there, so uh, he asked if we could continue to remember him in prayer. Sister Sarah Vasaki is not here tonight. We miss her. And uh, Brother Keith just texted me from Erie, Pennsylvania, and said he was listening. So, Brother Keith, God bless you. Uh, we miss you as well. Brother Aaron, Sister Trish are not here tonight. He's working, uh, working from home. Brother Joe Green has the virus and uh, is not feeling well. We want to remember him in prayer. Also, Sister Amber McCall. 
Uh, she's not here tonight, and we want to remember her and her family, her daughter especially, and uh, daughter Shannon. And uh, Christy's here, but uh, Shannon we want to remember in prayer. And uh, also as well, Brother Tom Ward has a, a new knee on the way uh, on Monday, right? Tuesday. And so Brother Tom's got to be tested on uh, Friday to get in the hospital. So Brother Tom, we'll miss you on the weekend, but we'll sure be praying for you and uh, trust that the Lord will undertake for you and, and uh, bring you through speedily like he did the last time. Uh, Brother Lucas and Sister Becky are not here tonight as well. We want to remember them in prayer and certainly miss, uh, certainly miss them whenever we gather. But as I have said, uh, Sister Jackie, good to have you here. Had a fall in the fall and uh, good to have all of you here uh, this evening. And may the Lord wish you bless you. Now, uh, we, we realize this is um, Wednesday night and... Um, I want to just jump right in and take a look at the word of the Lord tonight. Now, we want to title this Our Default. Again, this is the little series that we've been doing, and I appreciate your feedback. I've got lots of feedback from people who listen to archives, and uh, always thankful for that uh, little form of outreach. But tonight, I want to uh, just take a little text from that little uh, portion in verse 10 there where Paul writes, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace was bestowed upon me, but not in vain. And uh, so we want to we deal with that uh, subject tonight there if we can. And uh, I don't know what happened to my clicker, uh, but it's gone. What's not lost is sure to be found, my mother used to say. I found it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. God answers fast. I'm not going to do a bunch of review because most of you have been here uh, for, for these on Wednesday nights here. But let's just, I changed a few of these definitions and a couple of introductory remarks here. So uh, uh, just, just a couple of screens here, all right, just to catch us up to where we are. And then we want to develop from where we left off. A default is a thing which exists or happens if you do not change it intentionally. That's a better definition. It's a thing that exists or happens if you do not change it intentionally. A selection made, usually automatically or without active consideration. That's an interesting way to put this. If if we accept things by default, they automatically just kind of come to us without any participation or consideration, and we go along with it. There's a lot of things in life that we go along with, right? There's a lot of things that we're given that we go along with, uh, it's just the way that it is. And, uh, you know, we, sometimes we need to stop and think about this. There's a lot of things spiritually that you were impressed with in your previous religious life, if, if, you, if you want to put it that way. And unless you actively think about it, you'll retain a lot of those things without consideration. Unless they're challenged. Right? Like, uh, you know, we, we, we've given a couple of examples here, and, the, and the, these are just a few. But there are certain things that exist and happen because nobody's changed them. Nobody's brought them up to you. There are certain things that we just all believed or all thought was right just because nobody challenged them or nobody, nobody questioned it or nobody brought it up to us. And uh, that's not the way that God wants us to, to, to think about things, Right? 
not necessarily that you're in sin because you're thinking a certain way. For instance, we all believe that Eve ate an apple. At one point in time, probably all of us in the world believe that Eve ate an apple and that caused the original sin, right? That doesn't mean that you're a worse person than somebody who doesn't believe that. But it's a kind of thing where we just assume that that's correct because we're not intentionally looking at it or we haven't been challenged to look in the Scripture. The great thing about a message that comes from God is that all of a sudden now we're challenged to look at things and not just accept them because we automatically always believed them. The message does that, doesn't it? It, it, it challenges our thinking. It challenges our understanding of things. And without any active consideration, God steps on the scene and says, Hey, have you considered this? Have you considered that? What we believed about the rapture and what we believed about salvation and what we believed about baptism, what we believed about the Godhead. The majority of the world believes by default that God is three. Right? The Trinitarian concept is a, is a default understanding of the Godhead. Majority of people who come into the faith believe that uh, God is three. He's three in one. And all of a sudden then, you know, a, a, a move of God happens and, uh, you know, there, there's all of a sudden a, uh, you know, a, a fresh wind, if you like, that comes, uh, blows across our path. There's a, a, a different understanding of things. There were many people through the ages who believed that the gifts of the Spirit were for the early church only. And then a, then a revival sweeps through in 1909, 1906, 1909. And all of a sudden now we have a real true manifestation of the gifts. They were really true. In the early years it was absolutely pure and true. And our default understanding had to take a shift. Because it was challenged, wasn't it? So I like this definition better than the previous one. The previous one was one that actually Lucas gave me because we were talking about computers and things. Not that... Not that we disregard Lucas's definitions, but I just happen to like this one here. The thing that exists or happens, if you do not change it intentionally, a selection made, usually automatically or without active consideration. An absolute, on the other hand, as we've said, is a value or a principle which is regarded as universally valid and true, which may be viewed without relation to other things. So it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. An absolute truth is an absolute truth. Like a decision made by the Supreme Court is a decision made by the Supreme Court. For example, we're all born of a woman. Anybody want to doubt that? We all die. I believe that would be equally true. There are no round squares, and two plus two equals four. They're all truths without consideration of circumstances, feelings, or persuasions. This is not having anything to do with feelings or opinions or desire. It has nothing to do with that. It's not subjective. It's not in any way uh, affected by time or the circumstances in which the truth occurs. These are all truths without consideration. So therefore, an absolute truth is something different. Now, uh, I believe that God in his, uh, in his intent wants us to have an absolutely true understanding of the Word of God. Without fables, without shadows, without doubt, he wants us to know exactly what's true. You know why? Because you're going to need to stand on, on truth. And truth is a thing that sets you free. It's not your opinion that sets you free. It's not my teaching that sets you free. It's truth that sets you free. If I'm teaching the truth, that's one thing. But I might have an opinion or a feeling about things. And, you know, it may not be, it may not be uh, exactly right. That's not going to set you free. It may make you feel good, but it's not going to set you free. Truth sets you free. Are we okay? Now, 
we've used this quote because I, this was kind of the foundation of things. All true prophets, all true Christians, and all true believers stay with the word. No matter what anybody else says, we stay with the word. That's the absolute word of God, the truth that he's given to us, right? That's, that's what's true. And it's true under any circumstances. It's true nonetheless, we say. Now, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, but they are foolishness unto him, and neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Let me just stop and say this. You don't need to really worry about um, the outcome of this election, which is now looming over us, in terms of fearing that somehow or another God's going to lose out. Let me assure you that the pallbearers of the Bible over the years are long gone. And the Bible is still here. So God will have his way. Even if the outcome of the election is not what you thought or what you voted for, God will have his way. Because revelation is more powerful than politics. The exercise of your American right to vote is entirely yours. It is a right, not a command. It is a privilege that you've been given. It's entirely up to you how you want to exercise that right. But I will tell you something. That the pallbearers of truth are long gone. The Bible is still around. God's people are still around. So God will have his way. And believe that no matter what happens. And listen, there's a lot of people that will, uh, you know, they'll, they'll cast aside uh, the, 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 the statements of our faith. They'll cast aside issues like, Say, well, you know, abortion doesn't matter, and, uh, you know, that's just a, that's just a political debate. It's just a, uh, you know, a desire of one side versus the other side, and, and those things don't matter. Let me tell you something. They matter to God. And there are things that can change the, the course of a nation. There are things that can bring judgment down on a nation. And if you don't believe that that's true, ask the people of Nineveh, who found out it was true. So therefore, we as citizens, we have a responsibility within the country that we have to exercise and do the things that are right. But you know what? We have a higher calling to do the things that God said are absolutely right. Verse 15, but he that is spiritual judgeth all things, for yet he himself is, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Now, Go back now to our text here where Paul said, I'm the least of the apostles. And he's not trying to portray a false humility here. Someone being uber humble uh, in, in the view of everybody else. But he, he said, I have a past. And I have a past that included persecuting the church. And even though I believe I am stand forgiven by God and justified as though I never did it in the first place, I still can't help getting a feeling when I show up at a church. And there's somebody in that church looks at me and says, isn't that the guy that persecuted the church? Because you know what? Paul's human. But he stands and says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Paul was of a certain persuasion. He, was of a certain, he had a certain personality. He had a certain way about him. And he couldn't help that because in many ways, he was made just that way. We are a product of our, uh, of our genetics, if you like. We are a product of our uh, circumstances and our birth. I mean, God chose you to live in this age. God chose you the parents that you had for you and the grandparents and so forth. And there are 
things that, uh, things that happened to you that you really had no choice about at all. And you can be silent if you like, but if you're on the silent side, hang on. We'll show you a few things here. Now, we've defined this passage from, from this, um, from this quote here where the natural man he doesn't have a mind for the things of God. The mind is more than just this empty space up here, which is not really very empty at all. But it, 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 it refers to more than just uh, your ability to calculate or, or think about things. It is the faculty of perceiving, understanding, feeling, judging, and determining. Those things are very important because you want to have uh, not only a knowledge of what's right, but you want to uh, be able to make judgments and determinations based on what's right. And you want to be able to apply things at the right time. And so when you think about these things, then your actions become a result of what you think. I don't mean to be too theoretical, just hang on. It is the capacity to, to be able to, uh, it is the place where very often we, uh, we consider spiritual truth. And we consider spiritual things or divine things. And we recognize goodness and of hating evil. There are sometimes there are situations that you face that you just got to sit down and figure out, is this of God or is it not? How many of you have ever gotten a job offer or a job, uh, you know, a, a job situation and then just sat down and thought about it and said, wow, is that, is that the Holy Spirit giving me a job which is going to take me out of church or is this? In other words, you're, you're going to think about it right here, right? We're going to think about it here. And we're going to look for a conclusion that matters right here and here. Right? Hey, if you give your mind, even though the, the, your mind is the devil's playground, if you give your mind to God, he'll use it to help you make the right judgments and the right determinations about things. Right? So it doesn't mean that, you know, the devil gets full sway over, over your mind. Hey, God made your mind. God made your brain. And God made a connection between the mind and the brain. That's a whole different conversation altogether. And if you give them both, he'll actually use them. Because you need sometimes to sit down and consider and judge soberly, calmly, and impartially. Uh, are my kids, you know, like your kids will ask you, can we, can we go to a sleepover? Should we go to college? Dad, is it alright if I wear this? Mom, why can't we cut our hair? Well, let's sit down now and take a look at this. And we want to, you know, instead of, um, instead of locking our kids up in, a, in their room for two weeks, we want to sit down and we want to consider this. Sometimes your children will do things and you've got to consider, uh, where's that coming from? Right? You ever been there? Like, I've seen my boys do some crazy stuff with all capital letters. And I'm thinking, I know what they did is crazy, like set the room on fire. But what's behind that? Don't laugh. What's behind this? Sometimes somebody will get upset with you, and you're, you're thinking, I'm doing the same thing I've always done, and now I'm, I'm, someone's upset at me. What's behind that? And sometimes you've got to sit down and think about that, right? Because you don't have a quote and you don't have a Bible verse yet. But you've got to sit down and think about it, right? Uh, <laughs> so it's now I have some of you with your wheels turning because it's written all over your face. 
All right, we use this example, Christians don't have money, or Christians are poor, or Christians stay in debt. The Bible says that a good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. The wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. We live in a really strange time. We live in a really strange economy. I, I would never have predicted that uh, the economy is doing what it's doing if you asked me six months ago. It's, it's absolutely amazing. But I believe, that, I believe that God watches out for his own, that's for sure. Uh, and I believe we still had the responsibility to be good stewards over what we have. That's for sure. But um, it, it is nonetheless, it's strange. The scripture I want to leave with you is this. Riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thine hand is power and might. And in thy right hand is to make great and to give strength unto all. And that's really what God wants to do. Now, the warning is this, and this is I'm going to move on from here. Jesus says that we should lay not up for ourselves Treasures upon earth where moth and rust corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. Stop. If we just seek to accumulate possessions and wealth here on this earth, and that's your only goal, you've missed the point. Remember like C.S. Lewis said, aim at heaven and God will throw the earth in. Aim at earth and you'll miss both. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break, do, do not break through or steal. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. So you have to make sure you understand where your treasure is. Because it's not money that's the problem, it's the love of money that is. And when you get your heart set on that as your treasure, then you've missed the whole point. And so this is, this is very important here. Let me tell you, God wants you to prosper. God wants you to be blessed even more than you want the blessing yourself. And you've asked, you, you can ask me, say, well, does God want me to pay off my van? Yes. All right. Now, last time we ended here, you say, well, I'm in the message. And if I'm in the message, then everything is okay. Everything will work out okay. I really don't need to worry about things. I don't need to worry about change. I don't need to worry about discipline. I don't need to worry about uh, anything at all because the Holy Spirit just kind of takes over and automatically ushers me into heaven. And the doors one day will swing wide open. And that's it. The rest of it is just really youth fellowships, hay rides, and church dinners. <laughs> yeah, right. Brother Branham, in the Shalom message, and Shalom is, a, is an important, it's not only an important message, it's an important junction in time for Brother Branham because he comes through in 1962, he knows his ministry is changing, 63 it changes. And in 64, it's almost like, it, this, these are the New Year's sermons of Shalom. Brother Ram's almost like, you know what? We're in the dawning of a new time. And you know what? I don't know how much time i got left, so I'm going to lay it out there. And he begins to focus kind of in a different way. And I, I, over the years, we've discussed this as ministers. You kind of pick up that little different tone of Brother Branham. It's almost like shalom. The sun is rising. It's like a new, a new era here for the bride. We're moving into that bride age time when God's really focused on this last part of the harvest to get the bride where she needs to be. And, and if, you, if, you, if you watch the Shalom message, you'll find that. And in there, Brother Branham, the first Shalom message, Brother Branham says, he says, sometimes people think that when people die, God's going to reach in with a key and turn it, and you'll be a different spirit when you walk into heaven. And he says, don't think that. Because he said, what you are here is what you'll be there. 
death doesn't change you. It only changes your dwelling place, which is what this says right here. When you die, remember, it doesn't change your spirit. It only changes your dwelling place. And whatever type of spirit you got, that you got in you, that's the place it will go to. And sin can never enter into heaven. Sin can never enter into heaven. And so therefore, there, there, is, there is something real and something important about what we do here and what God does with us here and understanding what the goal is here because if we can reach that and know what the goal is, then you know what? That's going to, that's going to qualify you if you like. Predestination's already called you, right? Predestination's already chosen you, right? But remember, you're not going to go across into the millennium over there and God hands you a textbook of how to be a citizen of this kingdom. He's already handed it to us. Are we okay? You're not going to have to go through a learning process over there. You're in it. There's no classrooms in heaven. You're in it. And so God wants you to pass. He wants you to excel in this class. And if you haven't figured it out, you are the only one in the class. There is only one teacher, and the teacher is the principal. So the one who signs your diploma is the one who teaches you every day. Because if I understand the process of adoption right, adoption is conducted by the Holy Spirit. Are we okay? So this is all basic stuff here for us. So we should not assume by default that, you know what, if I really had a true new birth experience, everything is on autopilot. Well, that's an interesting illustration, Brother Barry, because if I have a seed of a watermelon and I put it in the ground and it sprouts and it begins to grow, it's going to become a watermelon, right? It's going to become whatever the nature of that seed is. We should not expect corn at the harvest time. We should expect watermelons at, at the harvest time. So God predestinated us and predestinated us to be conformed not to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, that we may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. But I will tell you something, even though that's true, what I just said is true, you were not born that way. You were born in sin. You were born out of harmony with God. You were born sexually from mom and dad and came into this world speaking lies. So there's got to be a transformation. There's got to be a working in your life. Not to make you predestinated. Not to make you accepted in the beloved, because he makes us accepted in the beloved. But there's a process of transformation that deals with the inner man so that we become everything that God wants us to be in this life and in the world to come. So let's take this now a little bit farther. I don't care how intellectual you are, we've still got canary brains. In other words, we have a finite understanding compared to the infinite understanding that God has. Because we're only human beings. God knew by the Spirit and by the revelation. Uh, God's known by the Spirit and by the revelation of the Holy Ghost. So God has not learned. God has revealed. He's unveiled. That's how he... That's how he chooses to declare or disclose himself. We'll never be able to understand him through intellectuals. A man who will walk with God will act like Jesus. Now, you remember again, Brother Branham said that it's not that we are going to, uh, you know, have a robe and long hair, which may disappoint some, 
But we're not to look at, we're not to look like him in the natural, but rather to think like he thinks, to react like he reacts, or to act like he reacted. Uh, we are to be like him in, in spirit, if you like, or in nature. Or to say like he said, I do that which only which pleases the Father. My goodness, if that's the way we all lived our lives, number one, we'd all probably live a little bit differently. But number two, I believe God would love that even more. Because sometimes we get in trouble because we don't do things the way the Father wants us to do it. And that's the process of adoption. So Brother Branham makes this statement here in a message called Pride. Oh my, he says, deliver me from being an actor. Wow. Hold on to that. Be what you are. God will bless you. That's what Paul was saying in our text here. I am what I am by the grace of God. Be what you are. God will bless you. You even see sometimes ministers do that. They get in the pulpit and they make their voice very big and said, I have now received my degree. He said, like, run shivers over you. I feel sorry for them. People don't appreciate that. Now, again, Brother Brandon was not against education. He was against learning God. Right? Because you don't learn God. God reveals himself to you. Are we okay with that? Everybody all right with that? We don't, we, don't, we don't become children of God by scholarship. He says, people don't appreciate that. Just be yourself. People will appreciate you more. Just be old, plain sassafras, hickory smoked ham, sorghum molasses. It'll do you good. Won't put on. That's, that's all right. Plain sassafras, hickory smoked ham, sorghum molasses. It'll do you good. It will. It'll do you good. Not for your arteries, but it'll do you good. In other words, this, you know, he's just, he just being honest. He's just being himself here and just saying, you know, this is, God wants you to be who he made you to be. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of working for something here now. Because Brother Branham was certainly an interesting personality. God didn't choose somebody who came from any sort of refined background. He didn't choose anyone who came from any, uh, scholarly background at all. Not at all. Matter of fact, with the opposite. Now, this is Brother Branham. All right? Remember God called Lydia? How many remember number three? I got more comments on people talking about Lydia than anything else in the sermon. But people were amazed at, at the facts about Lydia. Lydia was a seller of purple. Everybody, everybody know what I'm talking about? Just go like this or raise your hand. or Okay. So God doesn't call everybody wealthy, but God doesn't call everybody like Brother Branham's background. This is the way God dealt with Brother Branham. And let me reiterate something I've said before, that the way that God dealt with, deals with prophets is quite different than how he deals with most of us. Because you're not a messenger to the age. You're not a person who's going to carry the word of the Lord. You've got to you think for a minute. You've got to imagine how much responsibility laid on Brother Branham's shoulders to carry the word of the Lord perfectly. To say exactly what God wanted him to say. Never exaggerate, never say anything other than what God put in his mouth to say. And, and God was training him and honing him to do that. That's not to say that God doesn't train us. 
But he's training you for a job that's different than what he trained him for. I'm not a prophet. You're not a prophet. And so, therefore, God trains you for a particular role and a place. And we all have a role and we all have a place. And God's training you for that. Some of you are going to be ministers. Some of you are going to be ministers or missionaries. Some of you are going to be ministers' wives. Some of you are, I I believe that my, my wife was trained perfectly to be what she is. You may not. You may not know all of her background, but, you know, in her growing up years and, and all of the different things she went through and travels and living with the minister and all the rest of it. And I, I think God really took a hold of her in her early, early years and shaped her in a certain way that when it came to being a minister's wife, this was, this was something God had actually prepared her for. And, and I mean, that's just her. That's just, that's just the way that God dealt with her. And, I mean, in other, in other ways, I mean, some people look at, look around. We all have different roles. We all have different, uh, personalities. We all have, we're all made a little bit differently. And Brother Branham's simply telling us here, Lord, I don't want to be an actor. I want to be who I am. I want to be who you made me to be. And I, I, I don't want to feel the pressure of trying to be someone I'm not. I just want to be me. And if it's a humble, simple, sassafras, hickory smoke cam, sorghum molasses, if I keep saying that, we're going to break out and run to the fellowship hall. I know what's going to happen. Just, just let me be what you've made me to be. Let me get in contact with the mind of Christ that lets me be content with what you made me to be. And, and Lord, let me be good at that. Let me be the very best that I can be at that. So, Brother Branham, you know, in his description of his life, his early life, and all what he went through and the tensions and the nervousness and all of that, I mean, it's just, just amazing, really, when you think about it. And I've often, uh, in my early years in ministry, I thought, wow, I'd like to be someone like Brother Branham. And then uh, the more I understood what he went through, the less I wanted to be like him in his ministry, but more like him in his relation to God. I wanted to have his communion, not his calling. Okay? And, and Brother Branham, in his communication with Mayo Clinic, and I don't know how that that came to be exactly, but he was in contact with Mayo Clinic. Billy Graham had a contact with Mayo Clinic, and uh, other different people did as well. And, and, and he was communicating with them. And I got a couple of quotes here where he talks to them. And he said, some people, uh, they get it. They're, they're high-tempered. That's the kind that will kill you. People are high-strung, and they'll, sometimes they'll snap. And he said, they'll kill you. And he said, the other kind, like a woman in menopause, they will cry. They'll be very emotional. And he said, you get the kind that's weary feeling. Old timers used to call it, we had the blues. And it wouldn't leave them. There are some, there are some people who are melancholy, right? They're quiet. And they're melancholy. And Brother Branham was talking about the nervousness that he had in his stomach. And when that hits your stomach, when that hits, your stomach sours and you're just upset. So some people have a, a queasy feeling and whatever else. And I said, but sir, I, I, I don't do nothing. Like, in other words, I don't smoke and drink and, I, you know, I'm not out carousing and so forth. I'm living right. And he said, that's right. That's just out of the human grab bag. You'll always have it. What a discouraging thing. Now, this is what he, this is what he says. He's, he's quoting it from the Mayo Clinic there. So it's almost like every one of us got to pass by the bag, reach in, grab what you can, take it out. You don't know what you're grabbing. Wow. Huh. 
Now, personality is a really is a really interesting thing. Um, and personality matters because God had one. God has one. Wouldn't you agree that there's some things that God hates? Some things that God loves? And God created you. So at least we know he has a sense of humor in his personality. God created Moses, right? Moses was, what was the characteristic about Moses that's recorded in Scripture? What was he? He, Moses was the meekest. I know some of you are holding back. Meekest man in all the earth. Remember he said, here am I, Lord, send Aaron. Remember that? And then you have someone like Saul, Saul of, Saul of uh, son of Kish, who was the first king of Israel. And by all outward appearances, Saul met the grade. He met the requirement of looking like a king, walking like a king, acting like a king. He was chosen as a king by the people, but he wasn't a king. You know what they're looking at? They're looking at the persona. They're looking at the outside part of Saul. But he wasn't a king. That's what God said. I don't look at the outside. I look at the inside. You look at the differences in ministry. For instance, you know, someone who's a teacher type, they give an anointed explanation of biblical truth. A teacher gives an anointed explanation of biblical truth. An evangelist gives an anointed declaration of biblical truth. But it's very different, right? An evangelist very often will keep folks awake because they're preaching behind him. And anyone who preaches behind you will get your attention. They're both right. But they have a different way. They have a different presentation. It's just that it's coming through their filter, and that filter is the way that God made it. So let me give you an example. All right. So let's just say uh, that uh, you know some people are some people are people persons, right? And other people they're um, they're all business, right? And they're that's just the way they are. So if I um, Let's just say, um, if I, <laughs> I got to think of an example here, and some of you are saying, Lord, don't let him pick me. Don't let him pick me. Well, let's say Josh here. Josh is, a, you know, an engineer, finely tuned engineering mind. Not that Josh is not a people person, but I can send Josh on a mission, and you know what? He'll get it done. So if I have a USB drive, and it has the PowerPoint for tonight on it, and it's got to get back to the sound booth back there, all right? It's got to get there. Otherwise, there's no service. There's no anointing. There's no presence. There's nothing if we don't have a PowerPoint, right? Nothing. And so I send Josh down, and, and he, you know, he goes down. Well, on the way down, and maybe he goes outside, and he's got to go through the lobby, and in the lobby are all these wonderful people, people he hasn't seen in a while, and you know, people who have, uh, they, they, maybe, it's, maybe it's their birthday or whatever else, and they're like, oh, Brother Josh, Brother Josh, can you copy this DVD for me? Brother Josh, can you do this? If Brother Josh is a people person, just a, just a people person, you know what? He'll stop and shake everybody's hand and hug everybody's neck and listen to everybody, take all the requests for DVDs and, and uh, you know, just, just chat, how are you doing, how's things going, and, and everything else. And then Brother Barry will come out here and say, okay, if you want to put up the first slide. And Josh never made it. 
There are some people who are being a people person. They'll, they'll stop and talk to everybody, right? They'll get distracted because, you know, people are the important thing. And, and talking to everybody, and you wouldn't want to appear to be uh, un, unfriendly to people, but you get somebody who's a, a, a mission guy. You get somebody who's, you know, they're dedicated to a task. Man, they'll get it done, and they'll just, they'll just barrel right on through. And there are some people who are the people type who will get, they'll get, they'll get distracted by everybody and all the, uh, you know, the kids and everything that goes on there. You know, the people, people like to talk to a people person because people, pers- people persons always stop to talk. And they, and that's just their personality. It's just the way that they are. It is really out of the human grab bag. They're all different. Every one of us are different. Look around at our personalities here. Some of you are, would be scared to death to do something in public, and some of you, you know, are, are wired. You're just wired to sing or to play an instrument or to be a deacon and be out in the, out in the forefront. And some of you are shaking their heads already at me. And is one right or wrong or righter or wronger than the other one? Absolutely not. Because it is a truth that, you know, God has, has made us physically and God has made us the way we are in, 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 in that realm as well. Very much so. Now, let me give you, let me just divert for a minute. And, and with all due respect here, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm just quoting something Brother Branham said. He talked about the colored man. He talked about a Native American the same way. You remember when he was hunting was one of the Native American guides? And, uh, you know, <laughs> Brother Branham saw the, I think it was an antelope that was on top of the mountain. I, I can't remember which animal it was. He saw the, and Brother Branham's ready to go take off up the mountain. And the Indian said, hey, relax. He said, antelope be up there when you get there. And it's just the nature uh, of certain people is just laid back. And he said the colored man, he's got a disposition about him that the white man never does have. He's got a happy-go-lucky, trust God, and let the rest of it go. And whether he's got it, whether he hasn't, he's happy anyhow. He said, I'd like to have a whole lot of that tonight. I sure would. Well, he's got it, and that's his possession. And he don't want to mix it up with some other race and break it out either. So that's the way God made certain people, certain kinds of people, and God made it. Uh, you know, when you travel around the world, you see the different natures of people that are there. Now, let's just, just visit the prayer line for a minute. Now, we just want to do this quickly. Just to watch what Brother Branham said to some of the people in prayer lines. He said, I, I suppose now, sir, he said, us being strangers, but you're conscious that he's, he's presence. Your trouble's in your ears. What's the whole main thing? You're nervous, real nervous and upset, and that's your disposition. In other words, that's the way you respond to things. You've been that way practically all of your life. You've been of that disposition. But you've come to me for another purpose. You've come to me that I would lay hands on you for spiritual things. Isn't that right? He said, I'm not reading your mind, but you can't hide your life now. You're in his presence. So here's a person now who's always, they've, they've reacted a certain way because that's their disposition. That's the way they've been born. That's the way they, that's the way they are. Doesn't mean that they're not a believer, but that's just the way they express themselves. Now, let me just say this. When Brother Bram uses the word actor back here, and you remember the definition of the word Pharisee is an actor. Remember that? And, and Brother Bram says, Lord, help me not to be an actor. It comes from the, the word personality, comes from the word persona. And 
a persona that somebody has is the way they appear to everybody else. You have the real me, but I have a persona. I have the way that I express myself. And that's different, say, than how Emmanuel would express himself. We all have a different one. And, and the word persona comes from an ancient term that was used when a, an a, a famous actor back in the days in Shakespeare and so forth had their plays. That was the only kind of entertainment that they had except for gladiators back in the old days. He wore a mask because he squinted all the time. And because of the pride that he had, he didn't want people to see him squinting, he, he wore a mask. And he just had a couple of holes in it for air and so he could see. But he wanted to cover up something about himself, and that's why he wore a mask. And the Greek word for that was called persona, from which we get our word persona. It is the same word. You, you, have you ever met somebody and they acted a certain way and say, well, I could see right through him? They were just faking it. It's because they have a persona that's pretty false. They're just putting on. They're just acting a certain way. I've seen lots of people who had a religious persona. And they act religiously because you're a pastor. Right? And then you, you cross them in a certain way, and the real you comes out. I remember somebody who came to church here, regular. Hey, regular is clockwork. And uh, regular is daylight savings. And... Uh, you know, just oh, one of them, I'm one of them. And then I was, I wound up staying here on a, a Sunday night, and I was in a store down in, of all places, Lincolnton, North Carolina. And I walked into a gas station, and here was this brother there with a pair of shorts on. And, um, man, he saw me, and it was just like he saw Jesuits in church. His persona changed radically, radically. He went, Brother Barry, you're not supposed to be in town Mondays. You're only here Sundays. And his, let me tell you, his persona changed. So think about this, that all of us have... And, and you remember Brother Ram talking about actors. You remember when his daughter was uh, uh, involved in the play Carmen in her high school? Remember that? And he said, you know, this actor would come out and run back, change his mask, and come out again. It was the same person, but they were wearing different masks. In a sense, I mean, I understand the drama part of it, but in a sense, that's what Brother Ram says, you know, about the hickory smoked ham and the sorghum molasses here. You don't want to come to church and put on a mask and then go home and put on another mask, right? You don't, want, you don't want to be something you're not. You want to be yourself. Because personality is nothing unless there's a person behind it expressing itself through that personality. So that's why Brother Branham said that the idea of a trinity, where they say there's three persons, he said you can't have a person without a personality. Remember that? You can't have one without the other. Because a personality is only the expression of the person. That's all it is. True or false, it is only the expression of the person. So when we look at the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and Jehovah Jireh and Melchizedek and all the other personages of God through the years, it is the expression of the same person. But God was using a mask or a veil over himself 
for a reason. So the reason that, uh, you know, he, all that God was, he poured into Christ was because God couldn't die as a spirit on the cross. He had to have a body. So that's why Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because you know what? He and I do exactly the same thing. It's not another expression different than Father God, what I'm doing, Jesus is saying. It's the same thing. Search the Scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they that testify of me. So you've got to learn to look beyond the veil. Right? You understand what I'm saying? But if you're looking beyond the veil to see the real person, and you're looking in the mirror to see the real person, you've got to remember that God is also looking at you to see the real person, and he's not fooled by the mask you're wearing tonight. Are we okay? You're suffering with a trouble in your mouth. It's very dark around you. It's cancer. You're a mother. I see a 10 to 12-year-old boy sick too, something in their lung, TB in the lung. All your life you've had a longing saying someday you've become a Christian. You need Jesus as your Savior. These things have happened to bring you to him. And do you now accept Jesus, go in the name of Jesus and live, and so forth. All your life. And he's look, notice what he's looking at. Come on, brother. He said, God, be merciful to my dear brother, knowing this nervousness was born in him from his mother and father before him. Knowing his mother, poor mother being a nervous woman, and here he has suffered all of his life, but may this be the night. So here's someone who never did right or wrong, but inherited certain things from their parents. Don't take a sidelong glance at your mother or father right now. This would be the wrong time to do it. Because they inherited certain things. Some of you did, didn't you? I can tell by the parents' reaction that some of you did. Shame on you. And we know, Lord, that nothing short of a miracle will ever heal a man. Now, let me say this, that... If we are born with certain, listen, if we're born with certain conditions, or like this person right here, Brother Branham's not saying, ha, sorry, that's the way it is. You know what? Too bad. Man, you should, you, should have, you should have appealed to God long ago for better parents. That's illogical, isn't it? I want to say this to you tonight. That no matter, <laughs> don't, you're not supposed to react like that, Nathan. Let me just say this to you tonight. God is not the author of bondage. Any kind of bondage. He sets men free. And if you're bound by anything, no matter how you got it, no matter how it has uh, entrapped you, God is greater than your heritage. God is greater than your condition. God is greater than your struggle with that particular thing. And that's why Brother Branham reacts the way he does in these prayer lines. And he starts to pray, Lord, we know that nothing short of a miracle will heal the man. And I pray that if he staggered and tried, trying his best to get faith, I pray, God, you'll somehow accept a little faith that he has and perform a miracle and heal him and may he return to his home and get well in Jesus Christ's name. Now he said, that's a hereditary thing. And you've been nervous all your life. Your mother was before you was nervous. And now you go and just beginning to thank God. That's the first step. You go, begin to thank God. I believe that God has healed you tonight, my brother. You won't have to do it. Don't never use tobacco no more. And just go ahead and serve the Lord. So you can see how Satan compounds this. Right? This will calm your nerves. And that will calm your nerves. And uh, all the rest of it. And, and adds all these, things, all, these, all these layers on it. And all this kind of thing. Hey, listen. It's truth that sets us free, folks. 
And here's Brother Branham. He's right there and knowing that he's got these people in front of him and they're dealing with things all their lifetime. But the Holy Spirit's able to reveal that, pull that out, no matter what you're dealing with. And I'd say this, that sometimes we find conditions that pop up in our lives. We had no warning, had no idea that that would be a problem. I'm here to tell you tonight, and I know there are people that are suffering from different things tonight. I know this, that God is greater than your condition. And God knows all about it. And He has the answer for that. He has a solution for that. He's still a healer tonight, the same as He ever was. And we need to believe in that. All sickness is caused by sin. And before we had sin, we had no sickness. But sin or sickness is an attribute of sin. And sickness came because of sin. Maybe not because of what you've done. You've inherited three or four generations that will follow you. God does not want you to go into glory that way. He wants to release you. He wants to heal you. He wants to free you from those things. How many believe that? All right, I'm going to end here. He said, the baby suffers with a stomach trouble. It's over, it's over secretions of acid, and its kidneys are bothered by that. It's caused from a nervous condition, and it inherited it from you. The parents standing right there. It inherited from you. You're a nervous person, and you have a female disorder, which is an abscess, and it's on the left side, causes a drainage. He's either really right or really wrong. That's amazing that he could, that he could know those kinds of things. He said, all right, you believe me to be your prophet. Give me your baby. Satan, you who have bound this child, I, as God's servant, heal it from his condition. In the name of Jesus Christ, I do it under the authority of Almighty God, who sent his son and promised it. Hey, it's over. It's over. The mother had a condition. Now the baby's inherited the condition. What do we do? We just say, well, hey, that's nature. You know, you got that out of the human grab bag. He's not resigning himself to that. He's believing God is greater than that. Let's stand to our feet. Let's have the musicians come. I'd like to pray with you tonight. I just I want to stop there. There are circumstances that all of us are surrounded by. There are genetic things that came your way. But let me tell you, there's a, there's a qualifier. There's something that happened in your life that makes you different. Listen, as, as we look at this, and I, we didn't get to it tonight. When you look at the rich young ruler and you look at Paul, who Brother Branham compares in the message leadership, there's really not that much difference in both of them. Raised right. They were uh, people who were familiar with the, the Old Testament. Uh, they were obedient. They were, they were not, you know, evil or out in sin or something like that. Not at all. The, Brother Branham lays them out in the message leadership and compares both of them. What's the difference? The difference is this thing called a qualifier, where Paul's got this thing called election, that God's chosen him to be a prophet uh, to the age here. And you know what? With that election comes great grace and mercy and forgiveness. Glory to God. And so, when the rich young ruler is confronted with the, the challenge of eternal life, he turns away from it because the new birth is what makes the difference. The new birth is what makes the difference. But when we look at the outside of each one of those two men, you, they're both religious, both familiar with the Old Testament. They're both uh, very conscious of God. And, I mean, the rich young ruler went to, uh, went to Jesus because he had a question, and Paul was persecuting the Christians because he thought he was doing the right thing for God. And what makes the difference? It is that predestinated plan that God has concerning you. 
That's the difference. It is not just saying, well, you know what, I'm, I'm in the message and uh, that's it. But now when Paul comes in, he doesn't say, well, hey, I just sit back, you know what, and everything's great. He says, I am what I am by the grace of God. And he says, now God's dealing with me, God's working with me, and I didn't take the grace of God in vain. But he said, I labored. I'm reading from our text here. He says, I labored more abundantly than they all. God has forgiven me a whole lot. So he says, I labored a whole lot. He says, I I just, I know my past. And I love the grace of God. And I want everyone in the world to hear about the grace of God and the message of God. And the work of God. And Calvary. I want everybody in the world to hear about those things. And that's what he sets out to do. God's called him to do that. And God sets out to do that. Paul sets out to do that. But God, let me tell you something. God wired Paul to have that kind of a personality to, to do that. To face persecution. To barge into towns where he's not welcome. And preach the gospel. Everybody's not wired to do that. You're not wired to do what Brother Branham is called to do. You're not called to do what I'm called to do. But God's got a calling on your life. And if that's the case, then let me tell you something. Taking that calling and the knowledge of that calling and turning it into a life lived for Him, there could be nothing more pleasing to God than for you to do that. And the earlier, the better. The earlier, the better. Absolutely. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of life, the word that challenges us, the word that changes us. Lord, there are so many principles, so many things that are found in the message, in the Bible, Lord, that illustrate exactly what we should be, Lord. How you set us free to become that. And as has already been said, Lord, there's great liberty in Christ, more liberty than there ever was in this world in living in sin. Now, Lord, we have found our place. We have found this position in Christ that you've called us to, Lord. And I just pray that every one of us, Lord, would just come to terms with that. That would be the very best we can be. Lord, we are what we are by the grace of God. We don't want to be fake or false. We want to be true. We want to be honest. Forgive us of our sins. Forgive us, Lord, of our failures and our weaknesses. And, Lord, for those tonight that are reaching out to you, and I know there are some, that are reaching out to you for answers. They're reaching out to you for healing. They're reaching out to you for total deliverance. I know there's some reaching out to you for just the simple peace of God that passes understanding. I pray for them, Lord. I ask that your Holy Spirit would just draw near and be strong in their behalf. Lord, we think of Sister Caroline tonight think of Brother Lucas, Sister Sarah, Sister Amber, and so many others, Lord, that need a touch from you tonight. Father, I just commit them to you. I commit their needs to you. And know that you care about everything we go through. There's nothing we can hide from you. So come, I pray, in the volume of the book and reveal yourself, Lord, because we know you're not learned. We know, Lord, that you are unveiled. I pray you would unveil yourself based on the needs that we have. We love you and we thank you. Give you honor and praise. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray.
What is it again? Who? Sing it, man.
about his love. I got beat flat. Think about his love. Think about his good. Think about his grace that's brought us Lord, for the balance of our week. I ask, Lord, that you would bring protection over each one, protection from these viruses and things that exist in our world. We curse them. We stand against them, Lord, and pray now that your Holy Spirit would draw near to each family, Lord, and may, Lord, your presence be always welcome in our homes and in our hearts. Protect us. Bring us back at the appointed time. Lord, I pray especially for those who are reaching out for your touch tonight. May you just be present and be very real in their hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's a fountain open in the house of David. Sing this tonight as you go. God bless you. Thank you for coming, being here tonight. And may the Lord richly bless you. Just, if you don't mind, just be in prayer for folks in the church. There's just a lot of different things that people are going through. And if you don't mind, just uh, you can just put down HPT. Because there's a lot of people under that umbrella who just need a touch. Will you do that this week? Let's sing it as we go tonight. God bless you. There's a fountain opened in the house of David. That's flowing down from Calvary. Come, you see. 